Hey, John, what uh, what do we have uh, on deck for our listeners today? We've got some exciting stuff uh, today, Andy. We're going to talk about nutrition, specifically broadband nutritional labels. And we're going to leap into the future and uh, talk about quantum networking. All right. How does that sound? It sounds uh, it sounds a little daunting, but uh, at least at least your topic does. But sounds like it should be fun. Ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. You've got mail. This is Andy and John Talk Telecom with Andy Netzel and John Rewe. All right, you are now logged into Andy and John Talk Telecom. I am Andy Netzel. I am John Rewe. John, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining uh, me in this uh, in this episode here. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you this weekend? Man, I'm I am doing well. It's uh, it's starting to warm up. We might be in a, a little bit of a false spring, um, so we may still have some cold weather ahead. But uh, but I'm hoping not. I'm hoping the warm yeah, weather well, is well, here to stay. Well, what did the did the groundhog see a shadow? Man, I don't know. I thought the groundhog died. To be honest with you, well, you don't think they had a replacement lined up? For <laughs> they they got a body double. Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like I saw something about that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, check your almanacs, y'all, but I don't know if this is, uh, you know, if, win- if winter's over or we still got another round. Did you, uh, did you guys up in Austin? I know Austin and Dallas and North Texas and all that got a lot of ice. Have you guys finally thawed out? Do you have power? Everything good to go up your way? Yeah, really thankful at our house. We never lost power, but um, yeah, thousands, I don't know, over a hundred thousand were without power at some point. And, um, it was it was really bad. Actually, it was um, in some cases worse than the the uh, drama in 2021 that we had down here. Really? Um, yeah, I think the thing is at that time it was really the sheer coldness. It was like down to mm-hmm. single digits a lot of nights, and we had a lot of snow. This time we had a lot of freezing rain. So that built up on the trees. Trees come down, and then you start having you know questions around did the power companies do enough trimming of the trees? around the power lines because a lot of trees fell, took down the power lines, took down mm. uh, telecom infrastructure. So it's been actually, I think there may be a couple of customers in Austin still without power. Um, but what's been interesting though, is um, just kind of seeing some of the telecom contractors that have uh, leaped into action to um, assist uh, some of the providers. There's some cool pictures of, um, you know, contractors having four bucket trucks lined up across a, a huge highway to um, put a fiber back up that fell down, um, you know, and, and there's other stories like that around where, you know, guys were really just deploying all their resources and um, banding together to, to get the, get the uh, lights turned back on, uh, you know, on, from a connectivity perspective. So That's awesome. That's I mean, it's it's terrible that it happens, right? But nothing brings people together like like a natural disaster. So that's really cool and uh, heartwarming to to hear. Yeah, I mean, in a small level, even on my street, just uh, everybody's trees falling down in their yard and people helping each other cut up logs and, you know, break out the chainsaws. And I I met more neighbors on that uh, last weekend than I have the whole time I've lived at my house. So that's funny. 
that's <laughs> not the way you want to meet. But hey, better than uh, better. I'm than guessing y'all didn't didn't have any drama down in Houston. No, in no, it was just cold. It was just cold yeah. for for us. But uh, yeah, no ice, none of that. So we're uh, we were happy. We're all, all good to go there. Nice, but yeah, man. But hey, I got an important question for you. What you got? Have you ever been on a diet, or you have you ever watched your calories? Oh yeah, for sure. All right. So when you're doing that, you know, you especially go the, in Januarys, <laughs> right? I bet right after that holiday season, you get all <laughs> get all fattened up by Thanksgiving and Christmas. So if you go to the store and you're buying food, right, and you you want to look for, um, you know, what the, the facts of the food, what are you looking at? You look at that nutritional label, and they they're very uh, they're all formatted the same, which makes it really nice and easy. You can very top in big letters it says how many calories, and you can go down and see what kind of us. Uh, you know, vitamins and nutrients and how many carbs and sugars yeah. and all the things. All the things, right? So what if we took that, the food nutrition labels, and applied that to broadband, and we applied that to internet service providers? That'd be pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you'd see what you're actually getting. It would be, and the FCC agrees with you. So we're a little bit late on this story. Uh, I think this this broke back in November but the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, agrees with you, John, and, and they officially approved new rules, which will require Internet service providers to display a broadband uh, and Internet nutrition label. Um, so that when you, know, you me and, and, you know, Joe down the street, we're shopping around for um, our Internet, right, who we want to provide our Internet, we'll be able to see a standardized label and compare between, you know, company A, B and C. Uh, so, you know, we, we know. Uh, FCC, uh, the chairwoman is Jessica Rosenworcel, and she said broadband is an essential service for everyone everywhere. Because of this, consumers need to know what they're paying for and how it compares with other service offerings. So I think this is a really, really cool concept. Um, and, you know, there, there are mock-ups here of what the nutrition, nutrition, <laughs> what the broadband labels look like. You know, have the provider name, the service name plan, and right up front has that monthly price. It's got any additional charges and terms uh, itemized and, and broken out, any discounts you might be getting. And then it also lists the speeds, right? So what is the typical download speed, the typical upload speed, and the typical latency? It's not um, you know, up to 400 you know, megabits per second, uh, maybe download speed, or up to you know, 100 megabits per second upload speed. It's going to give you the typical download and the typical upload speed. Um, so this gives consumers a better uh, way to compare right across various plans and across various service providers. It also gives um, something for the FCC to really hold internet service providers accountable for. It's like, all right, hey, look, and you know, your gold plan, you said your typical download speed was X megabits per second, but with all this testing, we're finding that it's much less than that. So it, it will give them uh, something to hold these providers uh, accountable for. Um, and it, it's, it's really cool, right? They got to be standardized, completely standard, machine readable, and displayed on the main purchasing pages that providers have online, right? So they can't, they're not being buried between um, or, or underneath multiple links or, you know, reduced to a small portion of the page. This has to be um, front and center and it has to be easily available on request after somebody signs up. So it is a really cool um, thing, right? We don't often talk about, hey, you know, the government's doing this really cool thing, but <laughs> you know, the, the FCC in this case, it's a big win for consumers. Um, 
you know, who are shopping around for, for their internet service. Uh, do, you, do you know if these labels say in terms of content of the service, is it provided via wireless or fiber or coax? So it says, um, at least this mock-up I'm looking at, is fixed or mobile broadband consumer disclosure, right? So it will either say fixed or mobile broadband. So you will, it, it may not say like, hey, this is fiber, or this is hybrid fiber coax, uh, but it will say fixed. And if it's, you know, if it's a, a wisp, it will be, it will say mobile. Um, yeah. So I am, and, and, you know, there, there's room down the, down the road, I'm sure to, you know, uh, you know, dig down deeper into that and more discreetly, more specifically define what, um, you know, is it fiber? Is it HFC? Is it um, whatever different technologies we have? Yeah. Huh. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, probably that's probably a good definition to, or a uh, way to break it down between fixed or, or wireless. Um because you know, especially with 10G, once that's launched, I mean the cable plants are going to be delivering some pretty epic speeds that are you know comparable with fiber, and um, they're going to have fiber very deep into their networks. So you know, yeah, yeah. And having uh, we we just went through this, right? I wanted to upgrade my plan and move to a different um, router and uh, uh, modem and router, and it was it was difficult to do it online. It was difficult when we called and it was difficult with when we went into the store. Um, and yeah, it's the information is, you know, it's, it's, it's buried a lot of the time. So being able mm-hmm. to see this upfront, uh, I think is, is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing this, uh, rolled out and, uh, and implemented, uh, you know, across the country. Yeah, so most providers, last thing, most providers have six months from November to implement this. Uh, providers with under, I think it was 100,000 subscribers have up to have a year, right? So what's six months from November? We're looking at the April, May timeframe yeah. um, is when uh, providers need to have this out. So looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we'll have to follow up then and when the first ones come out and say, hey, here it is. Well, I'll tell you what, they, what do they look like. We'll compare plans. Uh, you're the plan you got yeah. and the plan I have, and we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, exactly. That'll be a really interesting thing, too, to see how it compares at different regions. All right, John, you know, as we were prepping for this episode, you wanted to talk about a, a topic. Um, and all I could think about, because I didn't, I didn't know anything about this topic, but all I could think about was a new Marvel movie coming out called Ant-Man. And I think it's like Ant-Man and Quantumania or something like that. Have you, have you heard of this movie coming out? No, I have not. That I've been hiding under a rock, apparently. But I guess that means that <laughs> quantum is gaining traction as a major buzzword in our lexicon. Right, and that's exactly what you want to talk about. Yeah, talk about a quantum networking. Um, you know, I'm no physicist, not even a math and science <laughs> guy. So dabbling into the topic of quantum computing and quantum networks is possibly above my... Uh, intelligence level but i i i think talking about like the implications and stuff is is useful and i what kind of drew my attention to it it's been on my radar off and on um you know here and there as i do research on on our uh, industry but i was reading the cable labs uh blog um on the just like a couple weeks ago phil mckinney uh posted his 2023 technology predictions and the one that stood out to me was quantum networking and so i made me think Huh, what, what have we done in quantum networking since the last time I checked checked out? And there's been a lot going on. Um, but 
I'm going to try to I've kind of piece together a bunch of little information. So um, bear with me here as I try to sketch out kind of what we're talking about. Um, what are, well, let's start with quantum computing. Um, at a basic level, quantum computing uses qubits instead of bits. I think I pronounced that right. And so bits, uh, classical bits that we use for data must be in one state or another, um, like an on or off. Um, but quantum mechanics allows the qubit to be in coherent superposition of both states simultaneously. So a property that is fundamental to quantum mechanics and quantum computing and quantum networking is these qubits that can be in two states simultaneously. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of leave that there, but quantum computers are super fast. So one of the issues that they could pose is that since they can process so much stuff so quickly, they could potentially break all of our current encryption schemes for transferring data. So that would present a humongous security risk. Um, but quantum networking could solve that problem itself um, by making um, making data basically unhackable, as as Phil said in his blog. So quantum uh, so. Quantum compute networking uses quantum entangled particles, quantumly entangled particles that replicate and enable quantum information to be transported across vast distances simultaneously or instantaneously in between more than two machines. So we accomplish near zero latency and it's super secure. And there's no way to tamper with data that's being transferred without um, it being detected. Um, so this could really revolutionize, um, you know, how we use the internet. Now, it's really cool. It uses the actual fiber optic networks that we have now. It's just all the hardware around it's going to have to be changed. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, why are we talking about quantum networks and in the realm of quantum computing? But the question is, it's critical because quantum computing is useless without quantum networks because currently quantum computers... Uh, which are doing some amazing things and are actually starting to be used in commercial applications uh, to process data in new ways. Um, they can't communicate with each other with current technology except in a laboratory setting. So, you know, nobody uses a computer that's not connected to the internet. So that's a problem. So quantum networks are being developed so that they will add the connectivity piece to quantum computing. And, uh, you know, as I said, it has a potential to really revolutionize communications. Yeah, that's um, that's wild. I can see, you know, I can think of a ton of organizations, companies, firms, agencies that would be incredibly interested in this. I mean, who wouldn't? Is there any uh, who's working on quantum networking? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, there's a lot of private and uh, a private industry looking at it. And also um, uh, national governments are investing a lot in this because they recognize uh, where this is going. So um Let's see, the Department of Energy is kind of overseeing a lot of the really exciting uh, research in the U.S. Um, and then Amazon Web Services, AWS, um, is investing a lot. Those are two examples. So um, AWS had created a center for quantum networking in June of last year. Um, they also, they already have a cloud service called Bracket for quantum computing development and research. Um and recognizing that networking is the next step to this, they've made a really significant investment in it. And uh, there's a little quote from their announcement I thought was kind of useful in understanding, you know, the application for our uh, 
uh, industry. Um, a quote was, quantum networks will leverage some technologies already deployed for modern optical communication, such as lasers, fibers, and detectors. However, instead of strong laser beams, quantum networks require single photons, the smallest building blocks of light, to connect quantum devices together. So single photons enable many of the special capabilities of quantum networks and uh, simultaneously pose the great challenge. Quantum mechanics prohibits the amplification limiting network range. So explain that a lot of times if you're shoot, using lasers to um, shoot um, data over fiber networks currently, we have to have amplifiers or some sort of amplification, mm-hmm. uh, which we also do in coax networks to get that data to you know tra- travel to the all the way down the end. So we can't quantum mechanics doesn't really allow amplification. So you have to find a different way to get this stuff transferred, you know, over distance. So the weakness of single photons complicates interfacing them with today's quantum computing devices. So that means new technologies such as quantum repeaters and transducers will need to be developed in order to implement global quantum networks. So there's one uh, comment from Amazon who's, you know, investing a ton into it, but really, um, at the next level is the uh, Fermilab in Illinois, um, which is uh, uh, under the Office of Science within the U.S. Department of Energy. And um, the Fermilab calls itself America's Particle Physics and Accelerator Laboratory. And um, this past December, the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics was bestowed upon, uh, I'll try these names, Elaine Aspect, <laughs> John Klauser, and Anton um, Seilinger for experiments with entangled photons establishing the violation of Bell inequalities and pioneering quantum information science. Um, but this uh, Zellinger is working at this uh, Fermi lab and on this stuff, and they built an actual quantum network that connects several research campuses around the greater Chicago area. Um, I think it's 150 kilometers in length, and they're successfully um, transferring data um, using quantum networking over this network now. Um, and this uh, network is called the IEQ net and it uses the existing fiber optic network along with specialized new hardware needed to actually transmit and receive the data over fiber. Um, and so this, this is actually pretty exciting stuff where, you know, they won a Nobel prize here for basically creating the first like somewhat scaled um, quantum network and, because all this exciting stuff is going on around there, they're basically trying to establish this as a, they call it the Silicon Prairie. So they want this to be the Silicon Valley of quantum networking, (laughs) quantum computing uh, around Chicago. So I guess we'll keep an eye on that and see if that becomes a thing. But, um, you know, they've, we're using fiber, so that's cool. That's using existing technology, but all of the hardware at the the endpoints is going to have to be developed basically from scratch. So that's, um, that's fantastic yeah that's really cool i think it is and i think you know definitely has like i said the potential to really disrupt because you're gonna have you know potential for nearly zero latency so super fast um data transfer supposedly unhackable um and then because these this quantum computing could probably unlock most of our current encryption schemes it's going to become necessary (laughs) to deploy um, this as um, as those get you know as more quantum computing comes online. So uh, now it seems like there's going to be an absolute necessity to really invest a lot in developing the the um, 
the networking technology and uh, components to make this stuff work. So exciting stuff to, to come. And we're obviously not quite there yet, but I think that the use cases and the um, potential mean, and you know, the fact that, you know, governments and major corporations are investing in it uh, would seem to indicate we'll probably be hearing a lot more about this. Um, That's what's next, right? After maybe after, yeah. after 5g on the, the wireless side and 10g on the cable side, quantum computing could be next. Quantum computing, Ant Man leading the way. <laughs> That's right. I love the uh, the Silicon Prairie, right? That's uh, w- <laughs> yeah. way to go. You know, from the Upper Midwest myself. So you know, Midwest represent. Yeah, Silicon that's Prairie. pretty cool, right? It's funny. We that's got the Silicon. Let's see. We got uh, Silicon Hills in Texas. We got now we're gonna have the Silicon Prairie in uh, Chicago land. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks, Sean. Oh, that is awesome. We'll definitely have to keep tabs on quantum networking. A lot of words you said flew way over my head, but uh, hopefully, as we, we dive in more and hear more about it we can uh we can understand it better and and uh and yeah hopefully we'll be here soon sounds pretty awesome yeah yeah i'll uh hopefully i'll have a little better understanding next time we dig into this topic all right everyone listening thank you uh once again as always for listening to the andy and john talk telecom podcast follow us on on apple podcasts on spotify on youtube follow our twitter handle um follow it all we we really sincerely appreciate it john awesome awesome talking to you today it's love to talk about quantum networking um the future is exciting man it sure is and uh, that's what we're here for is to try to try to talk about the future share what little we know that's right (laughs) we really appreciate yeah the little we can find out (laughs) i appreciate everybody listening in and uh also appreciate if you could uh write a little review for us and podcasts. That'd be great. And if you know anything about quantum networking and you want to, you want to come on the show, then, you know, shoot us a, shoot us an email, shoot us a text. Yeah, what's, and we'd what's love that to email? Have you on. Yeah. What's that email address, Andy? It's a A A J T T at A A J T T podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. Hit us up. Love it. So, all right, John. Well, hey, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hope it continues to warm up for uh, for both you and I. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Andy. See you, John. See you all. Bye.